right, well, good morning, everybody. Again, we're so excited that you guys are with us this morning. I'm so excited to be uh, preaching this morning and just, uh, man, just want to share with you guys all the cool things that happened um, at summer camp and and man, we had, we had a blast at summer camp, we really did. If anyone's ever had a chance to uh, go as a counselor or even just um, know the impact that it has on a student's life, maybe you were affected by summer camp when you were a student in middle school or high school. Um, man, so many great things God does. We build a lot of relationships in a short week with, man, kids who, sometimes kids who are completely unchurched and never been to church before. And just in like one week, we build relationships that last forever. And, and man, camp is just, it's, it's, it's just a great time. And, and what I'd like to do today is not only share the cool things that happen at camp, but also um, just basically what I'm gonna be doing is taking all, we. Well, let me, let me back up. James DeCoker, who's the pastor of Connect Church in Georgia, he was our guest speaker at camp, and he, he preached every evening for us. So what I'm going to try and do is take all of his messages and cook them down into one and give that to you to morning. So it should only take like two or three hours, and then we'll be out of here, um, hopefully with enough time to watch the Cavs game. So, but yeah, so the, uh, but, but really, so a lot of what we're going to be looking at today is stuff that the kids learned Amp, and, and I just want to hopefully challenge you with it this morning from God's word. Um, but first of all, man, did you guys enjoy worship this morning? Uh, man, it just, I'm so proud of our kids. And man, if, you, if you're a parent, I mean, I, I'm not yet, but man, just to see your, your kids worshiping with a passion for God, oh man, it just does the heart good, doesn't it? It's just such a blessing to see your kids um, that you've invested in for that long, just worshiping God with all their heart. I love that. Um, but man, I'm excited to share with you guys the stuff uh, that we learned at camp. But first of all, before we even get into our Bible study this morning, man, we got to praise God and give glory where glory is due because God heard your prayers, FBC. And man, we could tell that you guys were praying back here for us. And I told you last week that um, before our final count that we thought we had about 20 students get saved. And that was a good ballpark. We actually had 22 students get saved um, just in the middle school. Uh, we actually had 10 high school students. We had 32 total students. Um, and that's just, that's above and beyond anything that we would have ever imagined. We took 170 total students. That's almost percent of the students that we took gave their life to Christ. And I, I don't know if I've ever seen a harvest that great. And it's all because the Lord is great. It's because his mercies are new every day. And it's because he hears our prayers, amen? And he wants to give us what we ask for. And man, when we just do it, he answers, and I'm, and I'm like, man, why don't we do this more? So, man, if you get anything out of this message today, how about let's just all the time, right? Without ceasing, like 2 Thessalonians 5, 17 says, 1 Thessalonians, rather. Um, but yeah, anyway, I mean, man, I, I think it's obvious just with that statistic, man, this endeavor that we do of camp every year, it's, it's a lot of work, and it's a lot of money, but that investment, man, it's, it's well worth that investment that we put into it every year, absolutely. And every year we have a theme for camp. We try to just get creative every year and, and pull a theme that we try to make everything around our graphics and our shirts, but mostly the messages. And this year our theme for camp was noise. We called it noise. And the reason we did that is because the idea is that this world is extremely noisy. You know what I mean? And, and if, if you don't really know what I'm getting at, I mean, just, just think about it. Everywhere that you go, there's the media, there's our phone in our pocket, there's social media, there's music on your radio in the car, there's music in the grocery store when we shop to affect what we buy. I mean, rarely 
in, in our Western culture, do we actually have a moment of silence where there's no noise? Like if I were to just stop, that was like three seconds. How awkward was that? Like, I mean, silence is so rare in our world today and it's so noisy. And you know what? The noise of this world, it's all geared towards one thing. It's all geared towards distracting us and our students and, and, and everyone from hearing from God. That's really what it is. I mean, think about everything from the media to what we see on our, on our Facebook pages. Everything can, if you get caught up in it, it can get so noisy that you completely get distracted from the still, small voice of God. And the, and the point and the theme of our camp this year was, man, we just encouraged kids, get away. And we do this every year, but we wanted to focus on it this year. Let's just get away from the noise of this world for five days and man, just, we encourage kids, I mean, we didn't take their cell phones, but we just encourage them, man, just unplug from the noise of this world for a couple days and just see maybe if God has something to tell you. And man, we saw a lot of kids hear from God this week and it was awesome. And we just wanna share with you guys what we learned at camp. So the first thing on your study sheet, if you wanna turn to 1 Kings 20, that's what we're gonna be studying for most of the morning today. So if you wanna get there, that'd be awesome. But the first thing I wanna show you before we get into our study is 1 Kings 19, what we see the Bible say is the Lord's still small voice. And in 1 Kings 19, what we find is the prophet Elijah running from this lady named Jezebel, and she was the queen, she was the wife of King Ahab of Israel. And ironically, when we see Elijah running for his life in 1 Kings 19, it's just one chapter after we see Elijah's amazing fire from the sky miracle where he calls down fire and, and then it rained afterward after a seven-year drought and he, and he slays 850 false prophets of Baal. After all those amazing things happen, just a chapter later, we see him running from an angry woman. It's crazy how life works, man. Like, he was fired up and doing what the Lord had him to do, things that no one's ever seen, miracles, and then just a chapter later, we see him bogged down. Isn't it funny? Can, can you relate that, man, sometimes after large spiritual victories in our life, that we get to witness the Lord be real to us, just a short time, almost immediately after sometimes, we find ourselves running from just little tiny attacks from the enemy. Man, it's just, it's, I mean, it's not just a coincidence. That's what the enemy likes to do. You're finally on the mountaintop and he wants to cut you down because now you're on the front lines fighting instead of the front lines. And we see that in Elijah's life. And in 1 Kings 19, we see him running. And if we go to verse 9, we see the Lord come to speak to Elijah while he's running. And in verse 9, he says, the Lord says, he came thither unto a cave, or Elijah did, and he lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said unto him, what doest thou here, Elijah? Man, sometimes when we're running from the Lord or we're just down in the dumps depressed, sometimes we just need to God say, what are you doing? <laughs> right? What are you doing here? Do you not just remember what I did in your life? And that's what the Lord does here. He says, what are you doing here, Elijah? Look at verse 10. And he said, I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. You can almost hear the whininess in his voice. I mean, if you, can you relate? I'm sure none of us can relate. God, I've done everything you want me to do, right? I'm pursuing you with all I have. But what's he say? I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. He's like, God, I'm the only one trying to serve you, and I'm being persecuted. And I mean, it's probably fair. I mean, they were actually trying to kill him. Nobody's, you know, usually seeking to kill us for following God. 
But you can just see him, man, where did the 1 Kings 18 Elijah go, who was slaying prophets with the sword, false prophets with the sword, and calling down fire with his faith of God, to being this guy who's depressed and asking the Lord, why, why me? What happened? He's having a bit of a temper tantrum, isn't he? I mean, can you relate though? Haven't you ever done that? I know I have. Man, just throw a fit because things just aren't going our way or life gets a little hard. Man, I, I know I've been there too. Even though, man, maybe moments ago, God came through for us in a big way, just like Elijah. The reason that happens, man, is because the noise of this world, and in this instance, it'd be Jezebel, the, the enemy and the persecution, the noise got in his head. And he was no longer focused on the promises of God. And man, if you're in that place today, if you feel down in the dumps or in the valley, or maybe you have and you can relate to that in the past, man, let me just tell you, that's the noise. That's the noise of this world trying to distract you from the promises of God. And God's still trying to speak to you. And check it out. In verse 11, this is God's response to Elijah. And this is where we get that still small voice reference. Verse 11, it says, And he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake, verse 12. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. And if you keep reading, you would see that God told Elijah the same thing. What doest thou here, Elijah? If you didn't hear me the first time because the noise was too loud, maybe I've got your attention now. And in the silence, the still, small voice of God speaks and I'm telling you, if you feel like you haven't heard from God in a long time, or you feel like you've been praying and asking him for something for so long, I don't know what it is. Maybe you've been praying for a loved one to get saved or, or to get healed or something, and you just feel like God isn't even hearing you. Can I encourage you? Don't get distracted in the noise. Maybe God is responding, and you just can't hear him. Let me just encourage you to just take a moment to listen in the silence this morning, and maybe you can hear the still, small voice of God. Because if you let the noise of this world get too loud in your life, you might just miss it. So don't miss what he's trying to speak to you this morning. Because what we see, the second point, is the, the world's loud noise. And I already told you, but what we're defining noise as this morning is anything that can distract you from God speak. And it, you might find this ironic, but noise isn't only evil stuff. It, a lot of times it is. It's the world trying to distract you, but maybe your noise is working too much. Okay, hear me out. Maybe you're a Martha, right? And you've got Jesus Christ in your living room, but you're so busy working and doing ministry that you can't take a second to spend time at Christ's feet and hear him talk. Have you ever been there? I know I have, man. Sometimes you just get so caught up in work, working and working and, and doing this for the Lord and doing that for the Lord that Christ is in your living room and you don't even take a second to just sit at his feet and listen to him speak. Maybe that's your noise. I, I don't know. Maybe Christ isn't in your house at all and the constant hum of this world around you distracts you from hearing what he has to tell you, like, like the cicadas, right? It's just this hum. And now I don't even notice it anymore because I'm so used to it. But it's so loud and you don't even realize it anymore. Maybe that's the world for you. That was an impromptu illustration right there. <laughs> 
But maybe that's you. Maybe Christ isn't even in your house at all, but this world is so loud and you're so used to it, you've never heard God speak before. Man, can I encourage you to listen and maybe he has something for you this morning. Noise is dangerous, man, because the enemy is subtle. If he can just distract you from hearing from God, you know what? He can get you caught up in all sorts of things that don't matter in this world. And even if you're a Christian, obviously he can't take your salvation from you or or touch you in any way. But if he can get you distracted from the main thing, then he's gonna keep you from doing anything of worth for God, at least of eternal value, right? And that's why noise is dangerous because the enemy is so subtle. And I'm gonna tell you, man, the first thing I wanna look at today is what noise do you? It wants to defraud you. Noise wants to defraud you. That means just to steal or to take away from you. Noise doesn't want anything good for you. And if we just turn the page, we got a running start into our study to 1 Kings 20, if you're not already there. The story shifts from Elijah to King Ahab of Israel, who was Jezebel's husband. And if we read the first couple of verses here, we'll, we'll see what's going to happen in King Ahab's life. Check this out. We'll just read the first couple of verses of 1 Kings 20. It says, And Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria, gathered all his hosts together. And there were thirty and two kings with him, and horses and chariots. And he went up and besieged Samaria and warred against it. And he sent messengers to Ahab, king of Israel, into the city, and said unto him, Thus saith Ben-Hadad, Thy silver and thy gold is mine, thy wives also, and thy children, even the goodliest are mine. So enter what we see is this character whose name is Ben-Hadad. He was the king of Syria. And Ben-Hadad is an interesting character because his name literally means son of Hadad. That's what the, the prefix Ben means. It means son of Hadad. And Hadad was actually an official title, like Pharaoh in Egypt. You know, the guy's name wasn't Pharaoh. That was his title or his office. So he's son of Hadad. So he's the king. He's got this title. Ben-Hadad. And actually, according to Unger's Bible Dictionary, the title and the name Hadad, it actually comes from this name Adad, without the H, which was an ancient Mesopotamian deity, so an ancient Mesopotamian god, who was known as the god of the storm and thunder. So that's where Hadad comes from. It comes from this pagan deity meant god of thunder. And Hadad literally means, being derived from that deity Adad, it literally means noise, or clamor. So what we see here is that Ben-Hadad's name literally means son of noise. Son of noise. That's his name. Just coming off of Elijah's story and the still small voice of God, we see the son of noise coming to attack God's people. So in our study today, we'll see noise as we've defined it already, but personified by this king Ben-Hadad. We're we're just going to take noise and personify it through this king because he literally is represented as the son of noise. And we'll see his attacks on Ahab and the king of Israel. So check out verse 1 again. Let's look back at that. It said, Ben-Hadad, this king of Syria, he gathered all his hosts together, and there were thirty and two kings with him, and horses and chariots. And he went up and besieged Samaria and warred against it. So in verse 1, we see Ben-Hadad, he besieged Samaria, which was the capital of the northern kingdom of Israel. And, And really, it's no surprise that noise was waging war against God's people. It really isn't, because that's what we find in our lives, is that noise and the enemy wages war against God's people. So it's no surprise that that's what we're seeing here. But what I want you to notice this morning is his tactic. Because tactic is exactly the tactic and strategy that noise wants to use to defraud you in your life. And the first thing that we see that noise wants to do is intimidate 
That's the first thing that noise wants to do. And that Ben-Hadad did is to intimidate you. It says in verse one that Ben-Hadad brought 32 kings along with him. I mean, 32 nations, their leaders and, and their armies, and it says their horses and their chariots. His strategy simply was intimidation. I'm gonna bring this whole host of people. 32 countries are on my side. So 32 going against one. Intimidation was his tactic. See, if the enemy can simply intimidate you into have to fight at all. That's typically how bullies work, right? If I can just intimidate you, I don't actually want to fight you, but I'm going to intimidate you and get you to just lay down and to fold so I don't even have to do any work. And I'm telling you, that's what noise is trying to do to you, Christian, because see, the masses are with the noise. This world, the majority is with the noise. You are the minority that's against it, and they want to intimidate you into folding under the pressure of their system. That's simply what it is. It's because you're the minority, Christian. You are. It's always been that way. All throughout the Bible, God's people who stand on truth are always the minority, and the majority is against them and going against God's way. Matthew 7, 14, we see that illustrated. Christ says, because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and many there be that find it. No, few there be that find it. Not all roads lead to heaven. One does. He was pretty obvious about it, but it's the straight and narrow one. The majority, the wide road, that's leading to destruction. That's the world's way. The masses are with the noise, and you're the minority. And what they want to do is intimidate you. It's always the minority that stand for the Lord. In this mass, this, this world, even more so today maybe than ever, they, they want to intimidate you into not even going into battle. Think about it. Why stand? Is my mic going in and out? Oh, that's okay. I didn't even notice. Check, check. Is it? Hello? Hey, all right. So that was the opposite of noise? You couldn't hear me? Okay. <laughs> Whatever, I couldn't tell. I'm just preaching, man. <laughs> so think about it. Okay, so we we're just talking about the, the noise. I don't even know what to do with this now. I had it all ready to go, tucked in my shirt. I feel like this isn't the first time I've done this either on stage, right? No, they, they just don't like me, the microphones. Okay, so the masses are with the noise, right? The world is with the noise, and they want to intimidate you into not even going into battle. Think about it. This is how it is in real life right now. Why even stand for traditional marriage? Why? They're just gonna mock you for it, right? Why, why stand for absolute truth? You'll just get ridiculed for it. Why stand for God at all? Because they're just gonna come after you for it. I mean, every little thing you do, if you take a stand for God or truth or anything that would be God's principles, you just get ridiculed and mocked and called intolerant and a bigot. So why even do it if they can intimidate you into just forgetting about it? Well, the, the enemy wins. Because, okay, you might be saved, but now you're not doing anything to reach those around you because you've been intimidating into being silent because you can't hear the Lord anymore. You can only hear the noise around you. And if they can get you to feel all alone, they'll intimidate you into just giving up, man. And you won't even hear the still, small voice of the Lord anymore. The general that's on your side reminding you who is fighting for you, you can't even hear him anymore because you've been distracted by the noise. And God's like, did you forget who I am? <laughs> 
because I can win this thing, but, you're, but we're distracted. So imita- intimidation is, is the first tactic that noise has against us. And the second one we see in the text is it wants to manipulate you. It wants to manipulate you. Check it out in verse two. And he, this is Ben-Hadad, noise, he sent messengers to Ahab, king of Israel, into the city and said unto him, thus saith Ben-Hadad, thy silver and thy gold is mine, thy wives also and thy children, even the goodliest, they're mine. And the, check this out, his response, the king of Israel answered and said, my Lord, O king, according to thy saying, I am thine and all that I have. Wow, <laughs> not even a fight? Just completely intimidated, just completely lays down. That's their strategy, but check this out. He didn't just intimidate him, he took that to the whole next level. He completely manipulated Ahab into just giving everything up that he had. He didn't only intimidate him into not fighting, he manipulated it into giving it all to him without even a struggle. And that's exactly what the enemy would love to do to you. You have to be aware, Christian, that noise in this world wants to manipulate you. If it can get you distracted so that you can't hear from God, it can make you do whatever it wants you to do. Even care about the temporal things of this world more than the things of God, which we would never willingly do on purpose. But man, the noise distracts us, it intimidates us, it manipulates us, and all of a sudden we're not caring about the things of God anymore because we're distracted from his voice. And man, I'm telling you, God obviously doesn't want us to care about the things of this world you know, he wants us to seek him first. Matthew six thirty three says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. What does he say about thinking about tomorrow? Worrying about it? No. Take therefore no thought for the morrow. The morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. He says, listen, man, seek me first. But what the noise wants you to do is to get so focused on it and distracted that you're worried about what's going on in the world. Noise can distract your attention away from God and manipulate you into completely giving up your faith. Because after all, who's going to have faith in a God they can't hear or in a God that they think can't hear them? But in reality, we're so distracted by this noise, we can't hear him speaking in the still small voice. Let me ask you, have you ever lost faith because this world told you to? Because that's manipulation. That's manipulation. Don't lose faith because this world is telling you to. Have you ever cared more, and maybe, I mean, I don't mean to be super specific, but man, this is just something that I've seen noise done. Have you ever cared more about the current events and the things happening in the political world more than what God says about these last days and more than what God's promises have to say about these days? Because I'm telling you, that's just noise. That's all it is. You get caught up in this and that, and all of a sudden, man, we're prepping for this and doing and, and God's like, what are you doing? Like, that's not your job. You're supposed to seek me first and my righteousness. Don't worry about tomorrow. I'll worry about that. But that's just the noise manipulating us into worrying about something other than what God has to tell us. So it wants to intimidate you. It wants to manipulate you. And the last thing we see, its strategy, is it wants to completely enslave you. It wants to enslave you. If we keep going in the passage in verse five, it says, and the messengers came again and said, thus speaketh Ben-Hadad saying, although I've sent unto thee saying, thou shalt deliver me thy silver and thy gold and thy wives and thy children. Verse six, yet I will send my servants unto thee tomorrow about this time and they shall search thine house and the houses of thy servants. And it shall be that whatsoever is pleasant in thine eyes, they shall put it in their hand and take it away. 
So what the enemy says is, listen, okay, you've already agreed to let me just have your stuff, but, but you know what? We're going to take this a step further. Since I've intimidated you and manipulated you, let, check this out. What I'm going to do is send my servants, and they're going to go into not only your house, but all of your servants' houses, all of your people, and whatever they think you like, they're just going to take it. It's mine now. So he takes it even a step further, manipulation even further. He wants complete control, complete, utter control of the kingdom and ultimately complete, utter control of your life. Noise wants you to be a slave to it. Ahab, he gives into the intimidation and the manipulation. So the enemy just took it a step further. And he's like, I'm gonna completely enslave you. And that's exactly what noise wants is to completely leave you powerless complete control over your life because why? Because at that point, you've completely forgot about the voice of God. You've completely forgot about God speaking. It's not that he isn't, you just can't hear him because you're completely overwhelmed and distracted by this noise. Have you ever caught yourself there? I hope not, but man, I'm sure some of us have been there. Maybe you're stuck in one of those spots right now, so distracted by the noise of this world that you can't focus on what God is telling you to do. Have you ever been there? Man, let me just encourage you this morning, don't fear, because although, although noise wants to defraud you, God wants, he, he desires to deliver you. God doesn't want to defraud you. He wants to deliver you from the noise. And we see after Ben-Hadad ben goes in for the kill, Ahab finally wises up a little bit and he seeks some counsel. Go down to verse seven there, we see in 1 Kings 20. It says, then the king of Israel called all the elders of the land and said, Mark, I pray you and see how this man seeketh mischief. For he sent unto me for my wives and for my children and for my silver and for my gold. And I denied him not. And all the elders and all the people said unto him, hearken not unto him nor consent. Wherefore he said unto the messengers of Ben-Hadad, tell my lord the king all that thou didst send for to thy servant at the first will I do, but this thing I may not do. And the messengers departed and brought him word again. So listen, check this out. When you're feeling stuck and you're feeling intimidated and manipulated and maybe even enslaved by noise and the enemy and this world, what you need to do is seek godly counsel. That's the first thing you should be trying to do. Don't just wallow in your, in your self-pity and just be like, oh my gosh, woe is me. What is going on? God doesn't exist anymore. He doesn't even hear me. No, seek godly counsel. Because when... Ahab did that. They said, don't do that. Why, why'd you do that? Because he said, I, well, he came and said, I'm going to take your wives and your children and your gold. And he said, I denied him not. And they said, don't do that. Like, I almost feel like they're like, duh, you moron. Why? Don't do that because we're included in on that deal. Don't give in to this king. And then he's like, oh, okay. So he, he told them not to. So man, when you feel stuck and intimidated by the noise, seek godly counsel. We see in the passage that Ahab called for the elders of the land. And man, I'm sure I don't have to tell you that the elders in your life, number one, they're people who are just more mature than you in their faith, who've been walking with the Lord longer. So have you been discipled? If you haven't, man, get plugged into discipleship and be mentored and brought through the Bible and learn things from someone who's elder than you in the faith and can show you. And then, man, you have, if you have been discipled and you're in that situation, talk to them. Get their advice, seek godly counsel. And then the other way that elders is used in the Bible is simply your pastors. If you need to talk to a pastor, man, do it. That's what we're here for. First Timothy 5.17 shows us both types of elders. 
He says, let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. So you've got the elders and you've got the ones who labor in the word and doctrine. You've got the elders, those who are elder in the faith, and then you've got the elders who have an office in the church. Seek those people when you're in that place. Don't just let the noise win and enslave you. Seek godly counsel. And check out what happens after that. We see it kind of ramps up a little bit after Ahab finally wises up and he, and he takes the godly counsel and he, and he tells Ben-Hadad's messengers. In verse 10, we see Ben-Hadad sent unto him and said, the gods do so unto me and more also if the dust of Samaria shall suffice for handfuls for all the people that follow me. He says, listen, because of that and that answer, I'm gonna make your army look like a handful of dust in a desert based or compared to the armies that I'm bringing against you. Man, don't be surprised when you stand up against the noise if it ramps up a little bit. It will. Verse 11, the king of Israel answered and said, tell him, let not him that girdeth on his harness boast himself as he putteth it off. And it came to pass when Ben-Hadad heard this message as he was drinking, enemy, stupid guys, right? He and the kings in the pavilions that he said unto his servants, set yourselves in array. And they set themselves in array against the city. He's like, let's go to war. So don't be surprised when you'd make a stand that the enemy does come to battle. It, it might ramp up a little bit, but man, it'll get louder. The noise will get a little bit louder, but that's okay. You just have to fear the right Lord. You just have to fear the right Lord. Not only seek godly counsel, but you need to fear the right Lord. What do I mean by that? Well, we get that from verse 13. Check it out. It says, And behold, there came a prophet unto Ahab, king of Israel, saying, Thus saith the Lord, Hast thou seen all this great multitude? All this people that are coming against you, the masses, the noise that you're in fear of, behold, God says, I will deliver it into thine hand this day and thou shalt know that I am the Lord. You gotta fear the right Lord. And I think that God is referencing in this verse, back to verse four. Do you remember what we read there? After Ben-Hadad comes and he intimidates and manipulates, remember what Ahab's response was? The king of Israel answered and said, my Lord, O king, According to thy saying, I am thine and all that I have. And God says, you know what? I'm gonna kick this guy's butt and you're gonna know who the Lord is. That guy's not the Lord. The noise isn't your Lord. And Christian, can I tell you, this world is not your Lord. Quit bowing down to it because it manipulates you and intimidates you. You have the Lord on your side. And God says, you know what? This guy is nothing. I'm the Alpha and Omega. I'm the beginning and the last. I'm the first and the last, and I will fight for you. This guy isn't even an, an Adam in the pinky finger of my hand. I am the Lord God Almighty, and I feel like we forget that. We forget who God is, and that's why we get so intimidated and so scared. But we forget the general that's leading our army and just waiting for the word to go. Don't get intimidated. Don't be manipulated and enslaved by the enemy and by the noise. Fear the right Lord. Remember, he's on your side. Don't fear the noise. Remember who's on your team because you might just have forgotten that like we all tend to do because of how loud the noise becomes in your life sometimes. Go down to verse 14. So the prophet just said that in verse 13 to Ahab. Check out what Ahab says. And Ahab said, by whom? And he said, thus saith the Lord, even by the young men of the princes of the provinces. Oh man, I love, I love this part. Don't miss this. Then he said, who shall order the battle? And he answered, thou. Man, you gotta order the battle. That's your next point. It doesn't matter that you have God on your side. If you wanna win against the enemy, you, Christian, 
have to order this battle. No one else can decide for you in your life if God is worth standing for and fighting for. God won't even do that. God will never force himself on you, but he wants to fight for you. And whenever Ahab says, well, who's gonna, who's gonna order this battle? The prophet of God says, you are, man. You have to order this battle. No one else can fight this for you unless you let him. You have to order the battle. Not even God is gonna force himself to fight for you. You have to order the battle. And sometimes when you're that intimidated and manipulated, you forget because you're, you're looking like, well, who's gonna do this? Who's gonna do this thing? You are. Step up and order the battle and God will fight for you. Yes, God is on this team and he wants to deliver you, but you have to start the battle. And when you do, guess who fights for you? The same God who fought for Israel. That's the same God who fights for you this day when you're going against the enemy and the noise. Can I remind you of what God said to Israel when he went to battle for them and they forgot who was fighting for them? Exodus 14, 14, he says, the Lord, all caps, shall fight for you and ye shall hold your peace. Deuteronomy 1, 30, the Lord, your God, which goeth before you, he shall fight for you according to all that he's, he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. Remember the God who's already done all these things for you? That's the one who's fighting for you. Deuteronomy 3.22, ye shall not fear them, the enemy, for the Lord your God, he shall fight for you. Deuteronomy 24, the Lord your God is he that goeth with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. Christian, that's the same God that wants to fight for you. Don't be scared. Don't fear the enemy, fear the right Lord. Don't bow down the knee to the world. Don't bow down to the noise. Fear the right Lord because he wants to deliver you. The noise wants to defraud you. But you have to order the battle. Will you do that? Or has the noise become so loud in your life that you've started to believe it? Man, don't let it intimidate you. Don't let it manipulate you and enslave you because noise wants to defraud you. But man, I'm telling you, God, he wants to deliver you. He does. And man, when you finally let God fight for you, guess what he does? He delivers you. Check out what he did for King Ahab in Israel. Skip down a few verses to verse 28. It says, There came a man of God and spake unto the king of Israel and said, Thus saith the Lord, because the Syrians have said the Lord is God of the hills, but he is not God of the valleys. Therefore will I deliver all this great multitude into thine hand, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. Verse 29. And they pitched one over against the other seven days. And so it was that in the seventh day that the battle was joined and the children of Israel slew of the Syrians and 100,000 footmen in one day. In one day, 100,000 people. And then check this out in verse 30. But the rest fled to Aphek into the city and there, there a wall fell upon 20 and 7,000 of men that, that, that were left. And Ben-Hadad fled and came into the city into an inner chamber. That's a God thing. God killed 100,000 people through the troops and then the rest that fled, 27,000 fell because a wall fell on him. <laughs> That's a God thing. If you let God fight for you, he'll do God things <laughs> and he will deliver you. But you have to order the battle. You have to. You have to order the battle and God will do God-sized things. Fear the right Lord, order the battle. But man, before we end our study, we got to see this third point here because I, what, what you have to know, man, is this enemy, we've already seen, it's subtle and it's crafty. Noise doesn't want to die, even when it's dying. Even when it's losing, man, it can still be sneaky because number three, noise can and will try to deceive you. It will. 
God wants to deliver you, but man, noise will try to deceive you. Because man, noise, noise knows that it can't win. That's why it tries to intimidate you and manipulate you into voluntarily becoming its slave. Because it knows that it cannot win. It knows the Lord that's fighting for you, even when you've been distracted into not realizing who it is. But it'll try to deceive you even when you order the battle. Check this out. Go down to verse 31. We're going to look at four more verses here. And his servants said unto him, Behold now, we have heard that the kings of the house of Israel are merciful kings. These are the servants of Ben-Hadad, the evil king. They say, let us, I pray thee, put sackcloth on our loins and ropes on our heads and go out to the king of Israel. Peradventure he will save thy life. So they girded sackcloth on their loins and put ropes on their heads and came to the king of Israel and said, thy servant Ben-Hadad saith, I pray thee, let me live. And he said, is he yet alive? He's my brother. Gosh, Ahab, you're so dumb. Verse 33, now the men did diligently observe whether anything would come from him and did hastily catch it. And they said, thy brother Ben-Hadad. Then he said, go ye, bring him. Then Ben-Hadad came forth to him, and he caused him to come up into his chariot. Verse 34, and Ben-Hadad said unto him, the cities which my father took from thy father, I will restore, and thou shalt make streets for thee in Damascus, as my father made in Samaria. Then said Ahab, I will send thee away with this covenant. So he made a covenant with him and sent him away. Man, that's so significant because that's exactly how it goes in your life. Whether it's noise, whether it's the world, whether it's just the flesh, when you're finally taking a stand against it, it will try to deceive you and, and, and try to get you to let it live. That's what it wants to do. I'm sure some of you have seen that before. And it's so deceptive that a lot of the time we fall for it. We don't destroy the noise or the flesh or the enemy. And we allow it to live because now, now we think that we can control it, right? The, the enemy comes and it's basically defeated and it says, oh, let us live and all these lies and it deceives us, and we're like, oh, I can control this. I don't need to kill it. I'll just, I'll just let it serve me, or, or whatever you think that it's going to do. But it's a deceiver. The enemy is a liar, and he's the king of it. Don't let him deceive you. It needs utterly destroyed noise, the flesh, it all. It needs to be completely defeated. Look back at the first three things on your study sheet that noise tries to do to defraud you. Now, and then look at in these next three verses and see how they line up with the lies that it will tell you when you try to kill it for good. The lies of the enemy, the first one we see in verse 32, he says, I'll, I will serve you. I will serve you. But look back at verse 32. They girded sackcloth on their loins and put ropes on their heads and came to the king of Israel. And they said, thy servant Ben-Hadad saith, I pray thee, let me live. Man, when intimidation doesn't work anymore for the enemy... He lies and he tells you that he'll serve you every time. Thy servant Ben-Hadad. Man, wasn't, wasn't he Ahab's Lord back in verse four and now he's his servant? Hmm, that's crazy. But yet the flesh and the enemy and the world and the noise, it deceives us into thinking that it will serve us if we just don't kill it. When intimidation doesn't work, noise will tell you that it will serve you. And man, he starts to buy it. He says, did you see that in verse 32? He said, is he yet alive? He's my brother. Really? Really? Was he not just the one who said, hey, by the way, your wives, your, your gold, your silver, those are mine now. He's your brother? But man, I feel convicted because that's exactly what we do, isn't it? 
the same enemy and the same flesh and the same noise that was distracting us from the promises of God, after we finally made a stand against it and the Lord is fighting for us and is ready to make the final blow to kill it, says, man, I'll serve you. And you're like, okay. (laughs) Oh my goodness, don't we remember what it just put us through? And all the agony and and the depression and the distraction. But he lies and he tells us it'll serve us. He also says, I'll love you. Verse 33. Now, check this out. This is really, really sneaky of the enemy. The men did diligently observe whether anything would come from him and did hastily catch it. And they said, yeah, thy brother Ben-Hadad. They were watching to see what Ahab was going to say and just roll with it. That's a good liar. A good liar watches what you're going to say and then rolls with that. And they were watching and he said, he's my brother. And they said, yeah, 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 Ben-Hadad, your brother. He loves you. He's your brother now. He's not your Lord. He doesn't want to take your wife and your gold. He doesn't want to take everything that's good from you. He's your brother. He loves you. That's what the enemy's telling you, Christian. That's what it will tell you when you finally try to make a stand. Because when manipulation doesn't work, noise wants to be your brother and wants to love you. Don't fall for it. Don't fall for it. Next, he says, I will bless you. Look at verse 34. And Ben-Hadad said unto him, The cities which my father took from thy father, I'll restore. And thou shalt make streets for thee in Damascus, as my father made in Samaria. He says, listen, man, I'll bless you. You know, everything that my father took from you, I'll give it back to you. I'll bless you. Just let me live. Oh, my goodness. This is all, man, par for the course, what the enemy and the flesh does to us when we try to knock it down and we try to let God defeat it. Because it tells us, hey, I'll serve you and I love you and I'll bless you even. And then if we let it live, we see that it's a liar. And Ahab was fooled. He said, I will, when he said, I'll bless you, man, Ahab said, I'll send thee away with this covenant. So he made a covenant with him and sent him away. He was fooled. Ben-Hadad says, remember all of this stuff I took from you? I'll bless you. We can totally live in peace now. Forget about all the bad things that I brought into your life. You know, all the failure and the depression and all the silence from God, which was just distraction. Forget about that. I'm your brother now. We're good. We can totally live in peace now. That's exactly what the enemy wants you to think. Forget that I tried to, you know, intimidate you and manipulate you and enslave you. Forget about that. We good. Doesn't that just sound ridiculous, though? If someone, if a person ever came to you and said that, wouldn't you just be like, yeah, whatever, man. Are you kidding me? You love me. I'm your brother now. Do you not remember what you just did to me? But yet noise and this world and the flesh does that to us, and we totally fall prey, and we totally get deceived. Man, let me just encourage you. Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. The enemy wants nothing but harm for you. God wants to deliver you. And when he's doing it, man, don't take the sword away and let the enemy live, man. That's why you gotta crucify the flesh daily. That's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, I die daily. Because the flesh and the enemy wants to crawl off of the altar, off of the cross and back into our lives every day. You gotta crucify the flesh every day. You gotta submit, you gotta mortify your members every day. You gotta yield your members as servants of righteousness, Romans 6, every day. That's why, because it's, de- it's deceptive. And it wants to lie to you and deceive you into thinking that you can live in harmony with it. That's what it wants to do. Don't believe the deceiver. Because let me tell you, it's not the first time that we'll ever do it. And it's not the first time that Israel did it. Hopefully this little story racks your memory a little bit. Do you remember in Joshua 9, 
the Hivites, they were from the land of Gibeon. They, they were going into the promised land, not too far off of, of the battle of Jericho and the battle of Ai. Israel's feeling good about themselves because God is conquering their enemies. And then in chapter 9, I want you to see this with me in verse 3. These guys called the Hivites from the land of Gibeon. Check this out. When the inhabitants of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done unto Jericho and Ai, they did work wilily. Man, the enemy is wily. I'm telling you. The wiles of the devil, Ephesians 6. He's sneaky, he's deceptive, he's a liar, he's subtle. Don't fall prey. They did work wilily and went and made as if they had been ambassadors and took old sacks upon their, their asses and wine bottles, old and rent and bound up. This isn't even the first time that somebody put on a costume and faked them out. And they're doing it again and they fell for it. Verse five, and old shoes and clouded upon their feet and old garments upon them and all the bread of their provision was dry and moldy. These, the Gibeon was their neighbor. They didn't even know it because they put on all this stuff and they took moldy bread and old wine glasses and, and they made it look like it came a long way when they came to Israel in Joshua 9. And they went to Joshua in verse six unto the camp at Gilgal and said unto him and to the men of Israel, we become from a far country. Now therefore make ye a league with us. Because they knew they were next. They knew that they were coming around the quarter to take them over. So they lied. They deceived them and made it look like they weren't their neighbor and got them. And if you read the rest of the story, Joshua makes a league with them just like King Ahab did, with their enemies that were their neighbor. And let me tell you, you can't live as a neighbor to the enemy. You can't. You can't keep one foot in the world and the flesh and one foot in God. You, you can't do it. And when you try to, stuff like this happens. And in the very next chapter, after they make that covenant with the Gibeonites, the Hivites, they have to fight a war just because somebody was going against the Gibeonites, the Hivites, because now they're their allies. And now they're fighting in a war they didn't have to be in I'm telling you, don't become friends with the enemy. It'll ruin your walk. It'll stunt your growth in the Lord. God doesn't want you making leagues with the enemy. Actually, if you go all the way back to Deuteronomy chapter 20, check out what the Lord says about the enemy that Israel screwed up with in Joshua 9. Verse 15, he's talking to him and saying, hey, when you come into the promised land that I'm gonna give you, this is what you gotta do. He says, thus, thou, thus shalt thou do unto all the cities which are very far off from thee, which are not of the cities of these nations, but of the cities of these people, which the Lord thy God doth give thee for an inheritance, thou shalt save alive nothing that breatheth. Nothing that breathes. You will save nothing alive. You will utterly destroy every one of these cities. And just in case they're not sure, he lists them. Look at verse 17. But thou shalt utterly destroy them, namely the Hittites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, and the Hivites the guys who are from Gibeon that they made a league with, and the Jebusites, as the Lord thy God hath commanded thee. Why? Why did God want them to utterly destroy them? Verse 18, that they teach you not to do after all their abominations, which they have done unto their gods, so should ye sin against your Lord. When you make a league with the enemy, their gods become your gods. You can't fall prey and let them deceive you into thinking that you can live with them and that they'll that the enemy the noise it'll serve you because i'm telling you when you've been blasted by the noise for long enough that you can't hear the still small voice of god you take their gods and you start posting things on facebook that wouldn't wouldn't differentiate you from the world and you start acting like the world and you start doing what the world does and then all of a sudden where's your testimony you're not a light on a hill anymore you put a bushel over your light right 
But that's all because we let the noise distract us and they deceive us when we finally take a stand and we're letting God fight our battles because we've ordered the battle, but then we don't utterly destroy it. We just try to suppress it because I can control this now. And before you know it, you look just like the world. And your enemy is your neighbor and you're serving them and you're fighting their battles now. Don't do that. Don't be deceived, Christian, by the enemy. The noise will deceive you. It wants to defraud you. God wants to deliver you. And if you can't hear his voice, can I just encourage you to turn the noise off for a second? Take the headphones out, turn the noise off wherever you're at and just try to listen for God. Do do you have the passion and the zeal for the Lord that David had when when he said, I love thy commandments, I love thy law. He says that in Psalm 119 over and over again, thy law do I love. And he would seek it early in the morning. Do you seek God early in the morning? Or has the noise distracted you? Do do you love the Lord and his law like Job who says, I need it more than my necessary food? Maybe the noise has distracted you. Let me encourage you to just shut the noise off and get in tune with God. Whatever you're going through, I'm telling you, you need to hear the still small voice of the Lord. And you need to utterly destroy the enemy. Don't believe their lies. If noise, man, if noise has become a distraction in your life, Can I just encourage you to order the battle? Only you can decide to do that. Only you can decide to order the battle. But then the Lord, he'll fight for you. He wants to. He wants to deliver you. And can I encourage you to fight off the noise and just listen for that still small voice of God. Noise wants to defraud you, friends, and he deceive you, but God wants to deliver you from it. All that's left is will you let him? Let's pray.